0: and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host tonight. Uh, I am Sam and I have with me Jackson McDonald, formerly of Canucks Army. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at McDonald. You can follow me. I'm at SamanthaCP underscore and make sure you subscribe to SDPN um, and hit like on this video. As the Canucks turn in a dominant performance over the St. Louis Blues tonight, Beating the Blues five nothing. The Canucks jump up to a five and two record. They're now second in their division. I believe they're third in the Western Conference. Uh what did you think of the game tonight, Jackson?
1: It's weird to watch a Canucks game that was boring for good reasons. Does that make sense? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Like, I, I don't know if it's just that I've watched so much hockey and I'm kind of jaded or or whatever, but I, uh, I don't know. Like, this game, it was obvious they were going to win after they scored, like, the first goal, it seemed like. Um, the, the St. Louis Blues are really bad. I know they had that big win last night over the Flames, but I kind of think the Flames might be pretty bad, too. So... You know, flames know. and
0: oilers off to a terrible start
1: yeah uh but yeah it, so it, it just the game was never really in doubt they I was just I just pulled up um natural stat trick they had an 88% Corsi in the first period wow um and when you do that it's just you know I I, I guess it all it would only taken one bounce for them to come back at the beginning but I don't know it just seemed obvious like that they were gonna win from the outset so it was kind of there were a couple of nice goals and everything but it wasn't particularly exciting but it's just very weird to yeah to to have the Canucks they've played a couple of games that weren't necessarily compelling that they won which I can't remember the last time that happened Yeah, like I know the last time we did this they were not good. It was against the San Jose Sharks and they won. And it was like, God damn, why did they win? Like, every, yeah. I, it was at that point in the season. Um, and, uh, you know, you're just like searching for stuff to talk about. I think I was like, Lane Peterson. That was the thing that I wanted to talk about. Yes. He had a goal that Yes. Night. And, um, and like, yeah, with, with this season and with the way they're, they're playing right now, they're winning kind of these games they're 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 put, putting on a clinic like they put on a clinic tonight they were dominant now, tonight the game that they played against the predators too like it wasn't i know the score was close but they the play it, wasn't that was another one where it was just like not business like that's the that's the buzzword yeah right? which is the, not
0: something we're used to seeing like i, I know not if, at all not yeah remotely. if you're yeah. if you're in the chat and if you're at all in Jackson and I are probably two of the more cynical, I would say realistic, but I think a lot of people say cynical, Canucks yeah. fans. And I thought I thought they were dominant tonight. If you're just tuning in, the Canucks beat the St. Louis Blues and Jordan Bennington 5 Uh Quinn Hughes with the first two goals. Phil, Di- Phil DiGiuseppe with a goal. JT Miller with a really nice shorthanded goal. And then to close it off in the third period, Ilya Makayev with a goal. Um, so the Canucks beat the Blues five nothing. What did what stood out to you tonight
1: out of out of everything that happened? Um, that's a good question. I mean, tonight, like I guess I guess this sort of goes back to what I already said. Like, what stood out to me tonight is th- this was their actual best game of the season. The there was the game against Edmonton. I know they won eight one, but that's a fluke game like you like that kind of game can happen in any season to any team and they had that goal go in off Besser skate like it was just everything was going in for them deflections it was just one of those nights that you know we've seen the Canucks be on the other end of so many times but like they weren't that actually that much better than the Oilers they just had all the luck and were better enough that It was, you know, the game was out of hand by the end of the first period or whatever. Um, The Nashville game, people have talked about positively under the same sort of language that I'm using, kind of throwing out the first Edmonton game. But again, like at least on paper, that one was close. This game, they were just flat out way better than the other team. And the thing is, they should be. It's the second game of a back to back for the Blues. Canucks are back at home. They're a better team. They always have been for the last several seasons, in my opinion. Like I've said this before. I, I, I don't even know that the St. Louis Blues were good the year the one that they won the Stanley Cup. Like I, I just I don't get the Blues. I don't they don't make sense to me. When they were good, in quotations they didn't make sense to me. So the thing that stood out to me the most tonight was just like, oh, they look like a real hockey team. Like, they, they, the bar is low, but they're, they're actually starting to put in performances that's just like, oh, they're playing how, like, a re, I would expect a reasonably good team to play.
0: They, and then, they look like a well coached team this season. I mean, like, they actually yeah. look like they have structure, they have some team defense, they have some good habits. It's, and it's fun to watch, like you know, getting. I know you wanted to get into Phil DiGiuseppe. I can't. DiGiuseppe, yeah. Phil, Phil DiGiuseppe and JT Miller,
1: and how well that's worked out. Which, you know, I've I I heard the case going into the season. Uh, Drance put up a pretty good like argument in favor of why. We shouldn't maybe be surprised that DiGiuseppe's stuck on that line, um, but I was not. I was. I, I think I even said at the start of the season if they were planning on going with this this duos thing, and they've got Pedersen and Kuzmenko, and one of their duos is. Giuseppe, D. Giuseppe, and Miller, and they want to stick with that. I think I said that had the potential to be like maybe one of the least effective second lines in the entire league because on paper, you have a guy who's never really consistently been a top six center playing with a guy who hasn't consistently been an NHL winger. So. In theory, like on paper, that shouldn't work. And I, I know people have differing opinions on both of those players, and certainly like JT Miller is a very controversial, like player. And tell in us more about how
0: you feel about and JT. elsewhere. I'm joking.
1: Yeah. Um. But the the reality is, like someone someone j- just said to me, like, oh, how can you? He had 99 points. Like, how can you say he's, in, you know, hasn't been an effective NHL center? In that season, he was the center maybe two-thirds of the time. And in his first season in Vancouver, which was very, very good, probably still actually his best season um, in terms of two-way impact, like overall impact. Um, he, was a le- he was a winger who took draws on the Pedersen line. Then he had a very, very ugly bubble season. He had his 21-22 season where he had ninety nine points, but again, he was like the third center on that team, and he played like a third of his minutes on the wing or whatever, and then you know played a bunch on the power play where Horvat was taking the faceoffs. I know power play is a little different, like whatever. But he's but not, you're liking not him a... tonight. Yeah, and so point point being, this this chunk of games since targets taken over and now rolling over into this season um you know the underlyings are still it's just it's still a little early to really know like be able to grasp much from from underlyings but that line's been really good it's been their best line like their most consistent line um and I think it might be one of those situations where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts but like it's very strange that it's working with two guys who had a lot of red flags in going into the season in those roles. Yeah. Um, and whatever you think about JT Miller, okay, fine. Maybe like he's a, he's a, makes sense to have him as a second line center, um, based on, based on priors. But Phil Giuseppe was literally not in the NHL. That's why. And he's been pretty good. And I know he had decent, uh, you know, a decent scoring clip when he was in the NHL, but like, we're still talking about a guy who has, I think eight has a career high of 18 points or something. And he's what, probably already halfway there <laughs> now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't know what his uh, stat line is off the top of my head, but it's yeah. it been a
0: good start. Uh, if you're joining us, Canucks win five, nothing over the blues. Uh, we're talking Phil DiGiuseppe and JT Miller and the chemistry they've had to start the season. And they both had some, Pretty nice goals tonight. The other line I want to talk about quickly before we get into the defense, I know the chat is eager to talk about Quinn Hughes. Mm, um, yeah, of course. I thought, I mean, Mikhail's goal was a beautiful goal from from the Pedersen-Mikhail-Kuzmenko line, and I think that line has really started to gel this season I, now that Mikhail's back.
1: Yeah, Um. I mean, I'm trying to think. I feel like we did see them quite a lot last year as well. Yeah. Um. I don't know.
0: Until McCarver you know, got
1: injured, yeah, basically, right. Yeah. I feel like that was his most common spot until he got hurt. Was on that that line with, with Kuzmenko, and obviously Pedersen and Kuzmenko have basically been attached at the hip. Um, again, if you want to talk about that like, uh, whole being greater than the sum of its parts thing, you know, the the Miller line, you have like a retrieval guy in DiGiuseppe. Miller's like a playmaker, and Besser has. Uh, sorry, I just smacked my computer. Um, uh, Besser has the has the shot, right? And on the on this Pedersen line, um, I, you know, I think like the the case against Kuzmenko has always been, okay, he's definitely clearly a top six uh, scoring talent, top six like offensive talent, but he takes stuff off the board for you defensively. Makayev is one, really fast at least when he's healthy and two, his best asset has always been maybe not his defensive play specifically, but his two-way impact so I, I think he's sort of if if they're attached to having Kuzmenko on that line he's kind of the missing piece because he gives them an element that they don't otherwise have. He gives them a couple elements that they don't otherwise have. The speed being maybe the most important. Yeah. The because, speed's been the most
0: noticeable for me watching them the last couple of yeah, games. Yeah,
1: like Kuzmenko, he's not slow, and and neither is Pedersen, but, you know, I, I would never describe Pedersen as like a smooth skater. He's like, uh, he can skate fat he's like he's bad at skate it's weird <laughs> i don't understand it like he's not a good skater but it's fine he's still
0: everything else fine. makes up for it
1: more yeah more than makes very, up for it. it's very puzzling um but he's yeah he's so good at everything else that it doesn't matter but it, he's not it's not that they're slow but with mikhayev they they actually have a guy who can match i mean they made the blues look stupid tonight because they're one of the slowest teams in the league but when they actually face off against these younger, faster teams, like if they play um, uh, like Carolina or somebody later in the season, um, they're going to have an easier time not getting crushed to death by that forecheck with Mikheyev on that line versus whoever, you know, whoever they had in 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 place of him. Garland earlier this season, and I can't remember what they – yeah, yeah I, I
0: think it's safe to say that line's that line's starting to gel, and it looks good. Let Speaking of looking good, uh, let's get into something. These are words I never thought I'd say to the chat. Uh, speaking of looking good, let's get into the Canucks defense tonight. Yeah. Um, Canucks win 5 nothing. If you're just joining the chat, make sure you hit like, subscribe to at SDPN. Um, you can follow me. I'm at SamanthaCP underscore on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. Jackson is at Fails and
1: McDonald's. The artist uh, formerly known as Twitter.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: Prince. It, they, they literally both turned their name into a symbol.
0: So. <laughs> um, okay, we're I know the chat is eager to get into this. Quinn Hughes has had an unbelievable start to the season. Um, I talked about this the last time I was on game over uh, last week. I think that you know there's for me there is always the concern that when you name a player captain, there's maybe a bit of a learning curve, there's a little bit of pressure. And that has not seemed to bother him at all. If anything, he has elevated his play. Um, he told grants the other day, if anyone's reading the athletic, that he's been following the rankings coverage of him. And uh, you know what? Maybe shout out, shout out to ESPN and Dom for like, oh, nagging Quinn Hughes and
1: making I him almost, up his game. You have to kind of, I do almost feel bad for, um, for Dom and Shayna and, uh, Sean, I don't know. I don't feel that bad for Sean, but um, <laughs> I, I know I, no, I, um, I feel almost a little bit bad for them because, like, when ESPN came out with their their which and their rankings are just nuts. There's they don't make sense. Like the the athletic rankings are like if you squint, you know, at the start of the season, taking away what's happened at the in the last seven games, you know. If you squint, I would say there were really maybe only three or four players ahead of him that were like, okay, really? But the ESPN one was nuts. Like, what was it? Seth Jones was ahead yeah, of Yeah, Seth uh... Jones was
0: ahead of him. Eric Carlson was ahead of him. Chris Letang was ahead of him. He was at 60 and yeah. uh, scores the first two goals tonight, the game winner, and just, like, frankly, has been having an all-around dominant start to the season. Julian McKenzie- uh, Calgary beat writer for The Athletic told me that Quinn Hughes is his early front runner for the Norris
1: yeah fair um, I said at the start of the or I said after it was that preseason game where he had two goals I, I, I believe what I said was if Quinn Hughes doesn't do anything different like if he has an identical season to last year but he reallocates 10 points from his assists over to goals or just like adds goal scoring into his, his repertoire. He won't need to be better. He will become a Norris candidate just because of that, because we're still really bad at judging defensemen. And, and a question that I would ask not to take away from how good he's been, but just to, sort of i guess like re-up on my stance that he's always been good and he that he was amazing last year too has he been better or has the team been better and he scored goals
0: yeah i mean certainly I would argue certainly one he, of the things that's been much better for him is his defensive partner and yeah. somebody in the chat's mentioning Kronick. that's the next thing we're going to get into of philip course, kronik yeah. has been probably the best defenseman he's had to play with in his entire in his entire nhl career
1: yeah, it's him or Chris Tanev, and yeah. it kind of depends on how you look at it, and it kind of depends on what you... I would say Filip Ronick is the most talented partner he's had the opportunity to play with. There's, a, there's, That's an important distinction, because, like, Tanev might be more effective, but he yeah. certainly doesn't... He's not as, like, creative or doesn't have as much to add to the table on the offensive side of the puck, like, not nearly... As much um, and I don't know I't can't, I can't say that I've really noticed Hronik a lot since he's joined the team whether that's his couple of games last year, whether that's a preseason or whether that's uh, the start of this season but if you look at the underlyings, that pairing's been really good and and I thought Ma- I actually thought they looked really good tonight, yeah, especially yeah, on the well, power play the absence of noticing bad things is good for a defenseman. Like if you don't notice a defenseman 90% of the time, that's a good thing. Yeah. The only time you'd, you'd be mad that you didn't notice a defenseman is like Quinn Hughes or Eric Carlson. Oh, he was invisible tonight. Like if you say, you know, uh, if, if you say Mark Friedman was invisible tonight, that's a good night for Mark Friedman. Right. Yeah. Um, And
0: you know what? (laughs) Speaking of Friedman, Friedman and Cole yeah. were also, I thought, had an absolutely excellent night. I know uh Murph tweeted earlier that when they were on five on five at one point, they were the, the goal like the shot differential was just wild. I think yes. like, Friedman yeah. was at twenty-two shots for the
1: Canucks, two against. That was a good pickup for them, I think, because he's a guy, how old is Friedman? He's, he's what, like 26 maybe or 27. Yeah. Yeah. So he's certainly not like, he's not young, but he's the type of player with the type of profile. And he's still young enough, young enough that, uh, there could be more there than you would think to, to look at the pro just looking at the profile or just throw the name into NHL.com and look at the stats or whatever. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that they have for the first time in certainly since 1920 at the at the at best, um, they have six actual top six NHL defensemen. Yeah. Now, they might not necessarily have them all playing where they where you'd like them to on a really good team. But there isn't anybody on the back end that doesn't belong in an NHL lineup. And whoever your sixth guy was heading into the season, Hirose, McWard, Juleson, that's not something you can say about those guys, in my opinion. So looking at how they had the pairs balanced tonight, I feel like I can actually see, again, like the... The plan for this season was clearly that the whole could be greater than the sum of its parts. And I know I've said that like three times now. But with the way they had the pairs balanced tonight, you can kind of see like, oh, okay, This each of these pairings can achieve something around the ice. What they achieve, and it might be less than you maybe – ideally like to have from a second pairing or a third pairing. But... but I just feel like, okay, they... I think Jackson's
0: cutting out on us a little bit. Now he's... All right, Jackson... Jackson's frozen a little bit. We're gonna... I'm going to okay. circle back to Jackson once he unfreezes. But for the time being, I think, safe to say, from from my point of view, I think this is, as Jackson said, probably the best defensive structure the Canucks have had uh, in several years. Um, Hughes is off to a great start. Um, we're going to... I think he's logging off. and like, There you are. Possibly.
1: but... Am I working?
0: I think it's, it's cutting in and are we, out. Are we doing that? Yeah, there you go. It's kind of stopping and starting.
1: Um, okay. Get, get.
0: So I'm going to jump into the chat quickly while, while we sort out Jackson's tech issues. Chat is getting into Mark Friedman. Friedman's playing lefty all around says Friedman is playing well. I haven't really seen him do a bad play yet here to stay as a sixth defenseman. If he keeps up the consistent play um yeah i think i thought as i said earlier friedman and cole had a really excellent game together tonight um overall if you're just joining us canucks are at five and two on the season um they are i'm gonna switch myself over to the solo for a sec until jackson comes back um canucks are beat the blues five nothing tonight and jackson is logging back on so we'll see if we can get that to work Um, But in the meantime, David W. says it's been a while since I've seen the defensive structure has for the Canucks looked as good as it has been. Perhaps the best among Canada's NHL teams, which is high praise. Um, Although I will say, I think, frankly, the the Flames and the Oilers have been truly atrocious. Uh, (laughs) Justin Credible says Jackson is as frozen as the Oilers have been the whole season, (laughs) which is which I think may be the comment of the night. Um am I good now am i working you're you're working now okay I just left and came
1: back well that usually works
0: yeah that um, was that was perfect you came back for the for the best comment I've seen
1: yes that 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 is that is correct yeah, yeah. um no i I was just gonna say uh, to finish the the point like uh basically you look at their their pairings and it looks like they have a first pairing and then two pairings that are kind of you know, second, third ish serviceable, but that do very different things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it Target said it would be by committee. Maybe if you mix those pieces around, like I like the look of the defense a lot more with Friedman on it than I did with Juleson or any of those other, you know, basically ahl guys like career ahl guys
0: i mean as you said this is a team that's starting to look like the whole is greater than its parts and it's you know it's something we've complained about the last five to six years is that the there are pieces there that are good but the roster construction was poor and this is maybe the first season where there is some sort of actual roster construction there's there's Players that fit into their roles and there are defined roles. And I think that's something something that we haven't been able to say before. Um, I want to switch over to something totally different that I think everyone's gonna enjoy, which is did the Canucks break Jordan Bennington in the bubble? Because I think he has been absolute garbage since. Uh
1: what are his like career numbers? Can we can we pull that up? I'm gonna, up? Is I'm that gonna something... pull that up. I'm gonna pull that I'm up. Terrified. What did you think about him tonight? of using, I don't know, I, I don't think Jordan Bennington's a good goalie. Like that, which is why I want to see the the career numbers, because I, I I have a theory that Jordan Bennington is just Cam Ward. Oh. Um, I think, and if I could travel back in time to 2006 and talk about Cam Ward using the same sort of like heuristic that I used that did me reasonably well in um, the uh, in the playoffs. This or this most recent playoffs, uh, like was Jordan Bennington a really really fantastic goalie? Was Cam Ward a really really fantastic goalie in the playoffs, or did a goalie that was way more rested than every other team's goalie just come in? maybe get a little bit lucky, or just play well because he's fresh, and then a team handed them a contract based on that assumption. So, um,
0: his his career stats... Mm-hmm. 119, 74, 27. But save percentage,
1: 0.907. Yeah, so... So, like... Eh. And then he had if i remember correctly he had the fantastic like back half of the season and playoffs for the blues and he's been basically average or below in every other so
0: essentially the the difference between his wins and losses all come from the 2019 2020 season when he was 30 and 13
1: yeah, and, and and I mean wins and wins and losses are like I I could give a shit yeah. about that as far as goalies are Can I swear on the show? Yeah, did I screw that up? No, it's okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've <laughs> it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, wins and losses isn't necessarily that can be a huge mirage in especially over like you know even even a hundred like a hundred game sample wins and wins and losses it can be a huge mirage, but like. Yeah, he's a .907. He had one kind of good, like, half a season. I think... Was he a high-pedigree guy? Like, I feel like he came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I thought he came out of nowhere. I don't remember even really hearing about him before the Blues went on that run. Like, I think if... If this was a... Like, an Aiden Hill situation where there had been a more obvious proof of concept of goalies just coming in and being successful with that team i think we'd look at him completely differently but like i don't think i don't think jordan biddington's a good goalie i i i don't i think he's fine maybe probably fine uh, um starting to cut out again
0: (laughs) all right while Jackson's frozen again I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in here real quick and say I thought that uh yeah I think the last few times the Canucks have played Jordan Bennington particularly since the bubble he's he's had his ass handed to him every single time I was shocked to see that he didn't try to fight anyone tonight because that seems to be what he's known more for lately than his play um and, you know, shout out to HSM Fangirl Gaming, who says, Binnington is probably still salty about losing the Calder to Elias Pettersson. Uh, I think that's probably true, and I there is nothing I love more than seeing the Canucks run the score up on Binnington. I think you're unfrozen now, Jackson.
1: Okay, yeah, I think I am, too. I have nothing else going on on my internet, so there's no reason why this should happen. I only use Zoom, like, for every podcast that I do, so that's... <laughs> Very bizarre. But um yeah, I don't know. Jordan Bennington, fraud. So many goalies are frauds. Goalies are fake anyways, but um, voodoo. Him especially, uh yeah, I just think like increasingly teams are gonna figure out that rest is probably enough to you know, you take you take like the best goalie in the league and a career backup and one of them's played 60 games and the others played 10 and you can get probably the same result out of both guys. That's, that's my hypothesis anyways.
0: All right. We're going to switch into one last topic, which I think everyone's going to enjoy. And then don't forget to get your questions in for the presser at the end. We're going to take all of your questions at the end. Um, Carol, I you know what Carol? I'm going to take your question earlier because it ties into my next segment. If you're just joining us, the Canucks win five nothing over the Blues. I want to talk about whether or not the Canucks are for real. Um, so I had said when I think in the first or second show of the season that I thought they would come back from the road trip three and three. They came back four and two, and they're now five and two. And despite my cynicism and despite the fact that I should know better. When I watch these games, I'm starting to get that sense of expectation. Like, yeah, I am expecting them to actually look good to hear. Yeah, I am expecting them to not blow this lead. And I feel like this could actually be a team that does decent. I Do I think they're a Stanley Cup contender? No, absolutely not. I am not that delusional. I do think that this is a team that has a very good chance of making the playoffs, especially if the Oilers can't manage to get it together very, very quickly
1: yeah um i guess it depends on how you define for real they've definitely been lucky they've won all the games that they should win except for that uh flyers, flyers game that was the only shocker um and then they won the panthers games so you try uh or whatever, trade one for one. Uh, they lost one they should have won and won one that maybe they should have lost. Yeah. um it, On paper, I mean, not in terms of how they played. um You know, so as far as like, are they for real? I, how, how good do they have to be to be for real? Like, what's the expectation? Are you starting they, to
0: feel some belief in this team?
1: Belief that they could make the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. I already kind of had that. Like, I said I thought they would miss or make the playoffs in the last week of the season. Heading in. Yeah. Uh, Now, like... Yeah, I I think they could be, like, third in the Pacific. Probably. That seems doable. That has a lot more to do with the other teams around them than it does with them. But uh, the thing that I've been wondering through the first seven games here is, like, did I maybe, or we, all of us, like, maybe in a weird kind of way, like, almost underestimate how bad Jim Benning and John Weisbrod were. Is because, that possible? Well, because I, I think it is in the sense that now we've had, like, 18 months, or whatever, or however long, of a team sort of behaving normally. Like, outside of the PR stuff with Rachel Dory and Bruce and all that, like in terms of like the moves that they've made, they had a normal uh, off season where they signed normal deals for normal players. They've been trying to normal their way into like making the playoffs. That's what they've been trying to do. And the thing that I wonder is, first of all, did we underestimate like the extent to which them sucking for the first year plus was baked in already because of all the problems that they had on the roster. And then number two, did we underestimate what a, like, gigantic difference it would make to go from having a front office that, like, realistically, you would expect to do something that would make the team worse on a rate, at a rate of, like, once every three months, probably. Yeah. Versus, you know, uh, uh, a front office that just like does things like trade for Mark Friedman or sign Pia Suter or like just normal. We sign like players that are meant to play the role that we've signed them to play. And for not for outrageous amount of money. I was just yeah. gonna say
0: that, not for outrageous term or. Or money.
1: Like, the Ilya Makayev deal is, like, very similar to the Antoine Roussel deal. Except the difference is Makayev is younger and better. Yeah. And you're actually, like, if you pay, they're paying him, like, 4.75. Yeah. You're, they're going to pay him 4.75, but he's going to play in their top six. Like, you can you can pay a winger in your top six 4.75. You can't pay a winger on your fourth line, four seven five. You can't luckily, pay Anthony, your you can't pay
0: your fourth line twelve million dollars in total.
1: Yeah, luckily Anthony Beauvillier is expiring at the end of the season. So God, I um, keep
0: forgetting that he's on this team. Like I yeah. cannot remember that this man is on this team. All but, right. Yeah. Um, I, I,
1: so for real, if for real means like eighth in the West, then yeah, yeah, sure. They've bumped. They've. I've adjusted my expectations from maybe they'll make the playoffs to like, if they can keep this up for another five games, they'll probably make the playoffs.
0: And you know what? I'm going to jumping back into questions. And if, if you've got questions for us, get them in the chat. Now, Carol asked earlier uh, what I think, what are my thoughts for Vancouver in the next few games? And to Jackson's point. So the Canucks' next five games are the Rangers, the predators, again, the sharks, the stars, the Oilers and the Sens. Those are all teams that they should beat. Other than like, I think the challenges will be the Rangers, and if the Oilers get it together, that might be a game. But most of those games they should win.
1: They'll get shellacked by the Stars because they always do. Yeah, that's but fair. Um, and Jake all those other amazing. all those other games seem winnable yeah. in theory.
0: I mean, the Canucks are five and two last year. They were zero and seven. They wouldn't even get their first win until theoretically yeah. the next game that we're playing. And so I'm happy. I actually think that I think the Canucks will make it. I think they actually, depending how bad the Oilers continue to be, have a shot at coming in second in the Pacific. Ooh, I'm going to regret I saying need that I yeah, need more time
1: noise to turn into signal. Cause there's just a lot of stuff that's like, it's really tough to know what that yeah. means. I'm just like feeling a, just a feeling
0: of, the the vibe. This is nothing to do with This is me ready to be heard again.
1: Yeah, like there's yeah, I mean I said I said at the start of the season when we were doing our predictions on on Roxy Fever, I said I will not say that they're going to make the playoffs until I see the X next to their name. Because when you've done this like whole song and dance the same way for 8 years, It is... You lose the benefit of the doubt. It is on you to prove to me that you can do it. Until then, I will be a hater. Because... I... Like, I'm sticking to my guns on that one. They're not going to Expectation management. Yeah, exactly. Um, But this is the closest they've looked. And and really, I just need maybe five more games or something to just kind of get a better sense of, like... You know, there are... Like, Phil DiGiuseppe, I don't know tonight's game might adjust this significantly, but, like, you know, I think he, he's 75% goals for wow. and, like, 37 expected. So, uh that's, like, one of those things where uh, that's really tough to know what that means. Yeah. Because, like, over a larger sample, you would be like, that's going to regress. But over this really small sample, it's very easy to just be like well score effects or um you you know like i really don't trust the like a public expected goals model to even out until halfway through a season maybe so like i just need a little bit more signal before i feel confident but like uh, what might turn out to be even stickier than how they're playing is the rest of the division looks bad Right yeah now. other and other than
0: the vegas golden knights who are seven and oh yeah pff, ridiculous
1: yeah um, i mean they're they're on another level
0: <laughs> yeah i th- i th- what are the the Aves are a, at six and oh as well or possibly that sounds better. right yeah. yeah something like that like the two top teams in the pacific are just heads and shoulders above everyone else but i just feel did we get
1: to carol's question did i did i answer she, that question or?
0: Car- carol said what do we think for the next few games
1: i think oh, we've yeah, answered that okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I,
0: sorry, I'm, I'm can... conscious of time, so I want no, right. to I wanna get to a couple more questions. No worries,
1: yeah. Okay, um, no, we did do that. We did cover that, yeah.
0: HSM Fangirl says... Sorry, I'm going to find this question. I've got to scroll up. Um, she says, does Petterson's play remind you of one of the Sedins, and if so, which Sedin?
1: He is like if Daniel and Henrik were one guy.
0: Oh, I He doesn't like that. remind
1: me of either of them because... He isn't, like, he has Daniel's shot, but Henrik's playmaking, basically. He's like like if they were one guy.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Adam Firebear says, what are some of your thoughts on Talkit so far?
1: My favorite thing about Rick Talkit is that he makes sense. (laughs) He says things, and I go... I understand what that means and it tracks. and something i was saying to uh my dad yesterday when we were talking about rick Tockett, i feel like that probably translate to the translates to the players as well if you want to compare him to a guy like john tortorella who is a coach i've defended in the past and who i think is like a similar coach in some ways like there's a lot of overlap nobody's quite like torts but there's overlap there um Torts plays mind games. So players get like pissed off at him because they don't understand what he wants or where they stand with him. I think like everyone on the 23-man roster understands what they're supposed to do. And if they come out of the lineup, they understand why they came out of the lineup. And like, I think if you look at the way Kuzmenko has been handled, he would get benched for a game. But then he'd go out and he'd talk to the media after the game and he would say, Andre needs to work on these these things. And then Kuzmenko would work on those things or he'd have a better game and then his ice time would come back up or he'd be back on the line with Patterson. And so, like, it's a lot easier to roll with what a coach is doing, even if maybe you don't necessarily agree with it, if you feel like the reason for it and the message has been um presented clearly. Yeah. And you know like uh, you might have you might think like such and such player should play more than this other player, but at least there's an internal consistency of like well that guy plays for this reason and that and you know this guy got benched for that reason.
0: Yeah. That makes I I agree with all of that and I think the other thing I like about talk it is we're not getting these post-game press conferences where they play poorly and you get this, oh, well, they're kind of trying their best shielding mentality. You know, he just kind of, he says, he says it like it is. And, you know, it's hard to fault him for, for the things he's saying. You know, there's no, there's no disconnect between what we're seeing and what he's saying, which I think in this market is important.
1: Yeah. It's like a simple folksy wisdom. Yeah. That's very unpretentious, but that is like sharp. Yeah.
0: All right. I'm not seeing any more questions in the chat. Uh, we've been going a long time. Thank you for joining us, Jackson. Uh, you can, fo- you can find Jackson at Fails McDonald's. You can find him on his podcast, Roxy Fever. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Samantha CP underscore. Make sure you follow SDPN hit like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and we will be back tomorrow. I'm not hosting. Kaya's hosting. The Canucks play the second of a back-to-back. They're going to take on the Rangers after beating Jordan Biddington and the Blues 5-0 tonight. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a good night. Yeah!